All right, we're in part three of this series. Great to see you guys. I'm glad to be on my feet and here with you. I want to say thank you to those of you who are watching in The Point. I see there's a whole bunch of you in there today. And if you guys don't know, The Point is another room we have on site here. And there are free donuts and free coffee in The Point. And it's a live video feed. And there's, it looks like a couple hundred people in there today from what I could see. I have a overhead view of you guys. I'm not looking at you now, but I was earlier. And uh, thank you for all you who are serving in the point. Thank you for all of you who are inviting. If you guys have tried out Saturday nights, thank you for doing that. Last weekend, we celebrated with Brad that we had 52 people place their faith in Christ and cross that line and be baptized. But there's one more figure I want to celebrate with you, and it is the number of people who were on site here last weekend. So if you look at the number of people who we had here, each one of them is a story like Brad's neighbor who placed his faith in Christ. We had 650 more people here last week than the exact same week a year ago. Can we celebrate that together? 650 men, women, and children who God loves and who you all are connecting to God. So I want to say we want you here any service time, no matter what, please be here. But if you ever can worship in the point right now on site or on Saturday night, it's because many people, a few hundred migrated to Saturday night, has really opened up the room for our visitors. Back after Easter, we had a big explosion and we actually, a, a, a good explosion of people, okay? Not like a bomb explosion, okay? Like a, a whole surge of people. And we actually... Uh, the, the sad part of it was we saw some visitors come into the parking lot, not be able to find a spot and go back out, or we saw some even come in here and look and not be able to find a seat and go back out. So that's part of why we're uh, working to attend Saturday night. If you can, don't use it as an excuse to not come, okay? We want you here first and foremost, but Saturday nights are rocking and rolling. Uh, the point is rocking and rolling, and I'm glad to be in here with all of you, and I'm glad that we've got a space for those who God's going to bring in his next surge of people here who are growing. Well, I got to tell you kind of a self-deprecating story about myself from Friday of this week. Friday is my day off, and I had the three kids with me, and Mel was doing some errands, and Mel and I were texting. I don't know if any of you are like this. When I'm on my day off, Mel and I text. If we're not together on my day off, we kind of text throughout the day. We're just really close friends like that. And so Mel and I are texting, and she's in the middle of telling me a story, and all of a sudden she just drops off. She's not replying, and this is very uncharacteristic of her. So I know she's by herself, and uh, I call a couple times, and I get her voicemail, and I don't know if any of you are like this, or maybe you have a relative like this, where your mind goes to the worst-case scenario, your imagination starts thinking of the worst possible things. And so after about 20 or 30 minutes of, of nothing from Mel and calling and getting her voicemail a few times, I just start thinking like, man, you know, she's such a beautiful woman. Like, what if somebody abducted her? Like, what, if someone, what if someone took my wife? And, and then I start thinking like, man, I, I would not be able to make it, you know, the kids would not be able to make it. Like I, I start going down this worst case scenario thing in my mind and I start putting this text together. I'm wording it in my mind. I'm about to text it up thinking like, okay, if someone has taken her, I'm going to send a message to them. And so I'm, I'm wording this text in my mind and it's like, uh, hey, hey, if you've got my wife, you need to know a few things. One, I used to be a professional investigator. Two, I know a lot of law enforcement officers and officials and I will hunt you down and kill you if you have my wife so just return her now I was literally about to text that when Mel called and she's like yeah my phone died I was like oh good babe I was like so it's just so unlike her you know just so unlike her and the thing about it is Mel belongs uh, with me and with our kids we belong together and the thought of life without her wouldn't make sense. And that's because our family is where she belongs. And I want to talk with you today about that sense of belonging in your life and in my life. Belonging overlaps with your sense of identity, but it's a little bit more than your identity. Your identity is when you can answer the question, who am I? 
And as a follower of Christ, you're able to answer that question in a much deeper level than people who don't know Christ. And if you're on the journey and you're exploring, we're here to help you understand what it is to find your identity in Christ. But belonging is kind of one step further. Belonging is when you know who you are and you have a network of people around you who accept you as you are and where you have some function and some purpose and you belong. So before we get too deep into what that means for you and me, I thought we'd play a little game called What Does It Belong To? Okay, what does it belong to? I'll show you a picture and you can just shout out the answer. What does it belong to? Let's look at the first one. Anyone, what does this belong to? That's right, this belongs to a bicycle. A bicycle without this, not as effective, right? Without a tire. This tire without a bicycle, not as effective. Let's look at the next one. What does this belong to? Travel coffee mug. Okay, I don't know if this has happened to any of you. This happens to me on occasion. I will make my coffee in my favorite travel coffee mug. I'm on my way out the door and I can't find the lid. Has that ever happened to anyone else? And then you have to pour that coffee into a less desirable travel coffee mug, which has the lid. Because without the, this just belongs with the mug. Without the mug, this isn't that, that useful. And the mug without it is not that useful. Now this next one is going to show a generational divide in the room, okay? Some of you my age and younger think, is that like some kind of printer cartridge? But music aficionados and some baby boomers and older may know that this is the needle on a vinyl record player. That's the needle on a vinyl record player. Now last but not least, put this one in for my dear wife. What does this belong to? <laughs> That is a phone charger. And we've all been there where without this, your phone becomes completely useless. Well, here's the question for you. Where do you belong? What do you belong to? Who do you belong with? Growing up and through all the seasons of life, we are all asking this question in different ways. And We've all, if we think back emotionally, been in moments where we felt like we didn't belong. Maybe when you were starting at a new school, or maybe you married into a family where you just didn't feel accepted or embraced, or maybe you moved from one city to another city, or one culture to another culture. We've all wondered, you know, where do I really belong? Or the deeper way I think of asking it is this, how do I find a lasting sense of belonging in life? How do I find a lasting sense of one, I know who I am, my identity is secure, and two, I know that where I am is the right place for me. I'm around people who love me as I am, and I just, I fit. I have a purpose. I'm needed, and there's other people who I need who are helping me. Well, I want to answer this question as we always do from the Word of God, and I'm just going to share with you one powerful but short passage. You know, in my life, I remember even as a high school student looking around at my peers, and this is, I guess, how nerdy I am. I remember thinking, what will my identity be? And this is before I had really found my identity in Christ, but I remember looking at the high school quarterback, uh, which obviously was not me, not with these little arms, okay? But I remember looking at the high school quarterback and thinking, what will his identity be when he's 45 and he's no longer a star athlete? I remember looking at the cheerleader who was dating the high school quarterback and thinking, what will her identity be when she's 65? I realized even as a young person that if I build my identity around my physical health or a skill or even around income or material security, I saw as a reporter, all of that can be ripped away so quickly. And I started a journey to try to find an identity that could be secure through all the seasons of life. An identity that wouldn't be stripped away as my body ages. An identity that won't be stripped away if the stock market crashes. And ultimately, as I searched for that, and as a news reporter and journalist, as I went out and saw all the different ways people try to find their identity, I reached the conclusion that Jesus Christ, who is God, offers us the truest sense of unshaking identity that stands firm through all the seasons of life and even into the next life. 
And I started to experience as I read the words of Jesus that he's not just a good teacher or a prophet and that Jesus isn't just some church thing that on the weekend I kind of get a little taste of, but that in Jesus, if you will lean into it, if you will, if you will invite him into your life in the deepest way, you can find a sense of identity that is so deeply rooted that it stands strong through any storm of life, through any changes that happen as your body ages, through any economic ups and downs, through any relationship turmoil. And my heart for you today is for you to experience that deep, deep identity that is only found in your creator, that deepest sense of belonging. So John chapter one talks about this and the context or the lay of the land of this passage is that Jesus is described first and foremost as Almighty God. It says that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. This is referring to Jesus. And it says that He spoke creation into existence. So when we talk about Jesus, He was fully man, but He's fully God, the Almighty Creator who kind of crammed Himself into a human body, if you will, when He came into our earth as the person of Jesus. And John chapter 1 says that this world has become darkened spiritually by what we would call evil or what God calls sin. And really all the painful things in our lives, whether it's cancer, murder, crime, death, sickness, all of them are connected to this contamination of evil. God created a perfect world, but Satan infected it. And so many humans, including us, have chosen the way of evil more than once in our lives, if we're honest. And so God describes that when this world became darkened spiritually, he came down into our world as the light of the world. And what's so interesting is that John chapter 1 says that he came to the very people he created, humanity, and most of them rejected him. If you've ever heard the phrase, men love darkness rather than light, it comes from this chapter, John chapter 1. But it's after explaining all of that that God gives a promise about identity and belonging, a promise that's available to you today, a promise that has changed my life. And here's what he says in John chapter 1, verse 12. While most of the world rejected Jesus, at least at first, we're told this, to as many as received him, to all those who believed him and who accepted him, he gave the right, this is like a constitutional right, except that it is eternal and it is spiritual. It's a promise. It's something you can claim. This is your right if you've placed your faith in God, that you have become a child of God. This is about an identity transformation. The moment that you believe that Jesus is God and you accept him, like 52 people did last weekend when they were baptized, the moment you believe and receive Christ, you have an identity transformation that happens in the spiritual and in the supernatural realm. Your identity transforms from being an orphan and on your own spiritually to being adopted into the family of God. Your identity transforms from darkness to light. Your identity transforms where scripture says that apart from Christ, we can't even say no to some bad choices. God calls them sin. We're powerless to say no to some things. And God calls that slavery to sin. But the moment you place your faith in Christ, the chains of that slavery to sin are broken. And now you're set free to make good choices that you never could have made on your own. It's a total identity transformation when you trust in Christ. But notice this, it's not only singular, it happens for you individually, but you will most experience it. You will most enjoy it when you're in a plural community with other children of God. I think of my youngest daughter who's adopted. She'll always be my daughter. There's nothing she could do to make me not love her. And if when she was older, if she were to run away from our family, if she were to leave us, she would not stop being my daughter. I would not stop loving her. But if that ever were to happen, she would lose some of the joy and the fellowship of having her brother and sister. I mean, the three of them, you should see them together. And it's this way when you become a child of God, your relationship with him does not depend on your performance or behavior. And it is secure. 
But if you want to fully experience what it is to be a child of God, well, it helps to have some brothers and sisters. It helps to be in his house like you are today. So I want to take you a little deeper into this. And as I've been praying over this message and praying for you specifically and for our time in God's word, I've thought, okay, how will I summarize this text? Because really the most logical summary of it is this, you experience your identity in Christ and you will feel it when you gather with other Christians. But as I prayed about this, I thought about the loneliness epidemic in our culture right now. Uh, NPR and Time Magazine have both done pieces about the loneliness epidemic. Did you know that the suicide rate in the United States continues to climb every year since the year 2000? And for a long time, researchers thought this was because of the economic crash in 2007 and 8. But since then, as the economy has recovered, the suicide rate has continued to soar. Not only that, there's this opioid crisis. There's this addiction crisis. We are finding that in a time when technology connects us to more people than ever before, we are lonelier than ever before. And I know there's someone who walked into this room today and you feel like you're alone in life. You feel like you're alone as you're going through a divorce or you feel like you're alone as you're going through cancer or maybe you're not even in a crisis of any kind, but there's just something going on deep inside of you that your spouse doesn't know about, the people around you don't know about. And if you're honest, you feel like you're alone against the world. And as I processed all of that and where we all are emotionally and where our society is and what this verse means, here's what you need to know today. God brought someone here to hear this. You need to know that you are not alone. You're not alone. As you're trying to recover from that addiction, as you're trying to figure out where you fit in the world, as you're surviving that divorce, as you're worrying about that child or grandchild, as you're wondering what is retirement going to look like, as you're wondering, how will I pay the bills in retirement? Whatever it is you're going through, you are not alone. You need to know that today. And you need to know that around you are brothers and sisters who were not perfect, but we are here to help. And we've been placed here by your creator to help you in life. You're not alone. We are here to help you. Well, let's dig into these two halves of belonging. And the first half is this, you belong with Christ. He made you. Yeah, he used your parents to help with uh, some of the physical part of it, okay? But he is your creator. He crafted you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. Just like when I write something, it belongs to me, he made you. And he, had made, he made you for a purpose. You know, you, you weren't a dud, you weren't a factory error. He made you for a purpose and you belong with him. And what I've experienced in my life is that until I got connected with Christ, there was always a sense that I didn't quite belong that I didn't fully know who I was, no matter how much success or other things. And uh, I'm here to tell you, no matter how many toys you get in life or how many relationships you get or how comfortable you make yourself physically, until you get connected with Christ, there's gonna be a sense that you don't belong, that you're not quite home yet. And so this is the most important part of our belonging is being reconnected to our Creator by believing that Jesus died on the cross and, and calling out to him to be our savior and our identity. Romans 1 verse 6 puts it this way. You have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. You've been called to belong to Jesus Christ. This verse is written to Christians, to followers of Christ. Now all humans, God made them, so they all belong to God in one sense. But this verse takes it a level deeper. This verse is like my children belong to me. You might, you might, as a very independent American, think, well, I don't want to belong to anybody. I'm self-sufficient. But here's the thing. For my children, ages four, six, and eight, the fact that they belong to me, that is not a negative thing. 
What that means, because they belong to me and because I have a good heart toward them, it means they're always going to be provided for. It means they're always going to be protected. It means they're always going to be looked out for. And when you understand that you belong to God, it's not a frightening thing. It's a reassuring thing. You have someone who is looking out for you. You have someone who will always provide for you. You have someone who will protect you through the storms of life. Salvation is getting connected to God through Christ. Growth happens when I start to really find my identity in Christ. This is who I am. I'm a child of the King. And so even if other people reject me, even if my body goes through sickness and aging, even if I have zero dollars in the bank account, none of that changes my identity. It is secure in my Creator, and it is secure for all eternity. And God wants you to know that and experience that today. Well, some of you who are very attentive may have noticed something about me as I'm up here today. Uh, Those of you who are very visually attuned, very aesthetically minded, may have noticed something about what I'm wearing, and it's this. I am wearing the exact same shirt as last week. (laughs) A few of you noticed. I'm wearing the same shirt as last week, and there's a purpose. There's a reason, okay? A shirt like this, a shirt like this might cost at a store, I don't know, anywhere from $20 up to, if you went to a department store, Uh, maybe $80, $20 to $80 for a shirt like this. But I did not pay any of those prices because I did not get this shirt from any of those places. I got this shirt at a place where people discard their old stuff that doesn't belong anymore. I got this shirt at a place where people throw the stuff right before it goes to the landfill because they don't see a place for it in their life anymore. I got this this shirt at the Goodwill. The Goodwill, I paid $2.99 for this shirt. And uh, I don't say that to guilt you if you buy your clothes new. I actually buy most of my clothes new. Uh, But I grew up, Goodwill, Salvation Army, and garage sales were the only places we could get clothes. And I learned growing up the joy of the hunt. That if you dig long enough in the pile, there's some treasures in the pile. And so uh, every once in a while, if it's my day off and I just kind of need to decompress and, and think less stressful thoughts, I will meander into the goodwill and I'll see what treasures I can find. And recently found this little number. <laughs> but my, my point is this. Somebody discarded this. Somebody said this didn't belong. And someone you're sitting in here and right now in your life, whether it's because of a divorce or an employer, something has happened in life that makes you feel like you're unwanted, like you're unvaluable, like you don't belong, like you're one stop away from the landfill. And what we're learning today in God's word is that when your creator sees you He sees potential in you that you don't even see in yourself. And when your creator sees you, he sees value in you that you don't even see in yourself. And other people might say, throw it away, get rid of it, I don't need it. He says, I see value in you, I'm going to pick you out of the pile, and I'm going to take you back to my house. You know, some of us in this room, some of you were born, as it were, in a Macy's department store clean and groomed and well-pressed and in nice packaging. Others of us were born in Salvation Armies and Goodwills. But no matter where you were born, you live long enough and life will fray your edges. Life will start to tear at your seams. Life will stain you by your choices or the choices of others. You need to know that your Creator is a God who sees you in that state And he sees value in you that you don't see in yourself. He sees potential in you that you don't see in yourself. And he picks you out of the pile and he takes you home. And as you find your identity in him, he kind of cleans you up. He's the one who does the work. And he takes you places that you'd never go on your own. It's what I've experienced in my life. Well, this last week, 
uh, the kids had to get some vaccines for school, some shots, and Mel said, hey, John, the kids were all really big uh, troopers for their shots. I kind of want to reward them. Will you take them out and get them each a prize? So I load the kids up in the car, and they all say, hey, uh, can we go to Meyer and pick out some toys? And I said, Meyer? I mean, I love Meyer. I grew up in Michigan, but I'm not going to raise any spoiled kids, y'all. <laughs> I said, we're going to go to Goodwill first, okay? Because here's the thing, I'll tell you each how much you have to spend, and you can see what you could get at Goodwill, and then if you still want to go to Meyer and compare, you can, but I'm telling you, you can get a lot more at Goodwill, okay? So we go to Goodwill, and here's what Zoe finds. Zoe finds this a little puppy dog. Zoe? No. Stop pulling so So here's what I love. You know, these days when you buy a brand new toy, they package it in such a way that like a Navy SEAL could not unopen <laughs> the plastic on a new toy, okay? So here's what I love. Somebody else already opened it and batteries included. You know, batteries included. $3.99 for this little puppy. So, so here's the thing though. I want to show you this picture when Zoe got home. I want you to, to just see the emotion in her of uh, this love for these little toys that someone else was going to throw away, that someone else said these don't have any value. Someone else completely discarded, but she saw value in them. And here's what you need to know about Almighty God and about Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your sins and for mine. When he looks at you, this is a picture of his heart toward you. This is a picture of how he feels about you. He, he doesn't just want you to change your behavior to make him happy. He wants to pull you out of the pile. He wants to bring you into his home. And he wants to embrace you. This is the heart of God. Because you see, he paid a lot more than $3.99 to bring you home. He agonized and he suffered intentionally and willingly on the cross bleeding and gasping and feeling the sting of rejection, the sting of a chanting mob saying crucify him, the sting of the nails in his, in his arms and the thorns in his brow. Why? Because there's no price he would not pay to restore you, to redeem you, to bring you back into his home and you need to know that today until you believe that until you receive that until you let him pick you up like that you're always going to feel like you don't belong but the moment you do something happens deep in your soul that you know who you are Romans says his spirit testifies within us that we are his own and even as we go through doctor's appointments and cancers and car accidents and difficulties in this world that is not our ultimate home we know in our spirits once we've accepted Christ I'm a child of God and God wants that for you today whether it's your first time calling out to him in that way or whether it's a revival in your soul of saying my God loves me like that and I belong with him and maybe I'm a little empty right now because I've been looking for my belonging in the stock market or in my job or in my physical health or in some human who can give me some sense of love but not what my creator can well here's a picture of Evie with her loot from Goodwill and don't worry, if you guys invite us to a birthday party for your kid, we won't bring a toy from Goodwill, okay? I, I only do this to my own kids, all right? But I was reading this last week about treasures that have been found at Goodwill, and I'll, uh, I'll try to, I'm just going to tell you two, because I could go on all day about this, because it fascinates me. But here's, uh, here's a watch that was found at a Goodwill in Phoenix, Arizona. In January of 2015, Zach Norris went into Goodwill in Phoenix, and between the Timex and Fossil watches with dead batteries, Nick saw this. Now, he's a watch enthusiast, so he knew what it was. This is a Jaeger Lacoutre watch. It's Swiss-made. It's from the 1960s. And this particular deep-sea dive watch, there was only 1,000 of them made. Nick knew this was valuable, so he pulled it out of the pile. And as you can see, he paid a whopping $5.99 for it. And Nick just very simply took a couple pictures of it and posted it on a watch enthusiast forum. 
And within a couple days, he had an offer from a Bay Area venture capitalist for $40,000 for this little gem that Nick found at Goodwill. Tons of stories like this. Here's another one. In June of 2014, Sean and Ricky McEvoy were rifling through the bins at a Goodwill store in Asheville, North Carolina, and they found this really cool-looking old sweatshirt. And they picked it up because they just thought it looks cool, and they kind of resell vintage clothes, so they actually were buying by the pound. They paid 58 cents per pound, just threw this in the bag with a bunch of other stuff. Well, a few months later, uh, Ricky and Sean were watching a documentary about Vince Lombardi. And they're watching this old black and white footage, and they realize that sweatshirt looks exactly like the sweatshirt we picked up at the Goodwill. And so uh, Ricky goes and checks, and she looks under the tag, and there's a name sewn, embroidered into the sweatshirt, and it says Lombardi. And they, they track it down. They realize that Vince Lombardi's coach from that time his daughter lived in Asheville. She had inherited his estate. She had all these old jerseys and things, and she donated them to the Goodwill, and they track it down. This was Vince Lombardi's sweatshirt, and they find an auction house. They put it up for auction, and it sold to a collector for $43,020, $43,020 for Vince Lombardi's sweatshirt. He found a treasure that day. Here's the thing. When God looks at you, he sees value in you that you don't see in yourself. When God looks at you, he sees value in you that your neighbors and maybe even your family and other people don't see, but he sees, and it's true value. Now, before you all rush out of here to goodwill, <laughs> you should know that you are the treasure, not something you find at goodwill. You are the treasure. And you find your value and your belonging when you're in the hands of your creator and your redeemer, you belong with him. And secondly, you belong in his house. You belong with his people. You belong here. In a Bible-believing church that looks to Christ as our leader and the head of our body, there's a place for you in your father's house. When we gather here at Connection Point, we're not playing church. We're not pretending to be something we're not. We're not being religious we are reminding ourselves that we are the sons and the daughters of Almighty God. We are reminding ourselves that we've been set free from those old things that, yes, we still fall back into them on occasion, but we gather here on the weekend and we remember the cross and we remember our identity and say, that's not who I am anymore. I've been set free from that. And we gather, and when we feel like we're alone in life, we look around us and we remind ourselves, I'm not alone in life. And hopefully, as we grow, we're gathering in ways that sometimes the Holy Spirit might lead you to sit down next to someone, and you don't know why, but that person just needs to know that they're not alone in life. Romans 12, verse 4 says this, just as our bodies have many different parts, your body has parts you don't even know about, and each part has a special function, well, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong, we all belong, we all belong to each other. You know, in these last few weeks, some of you know I'm uh, working through this medical condition called vestibular neuritis. Uh, it's kind of like Bell's palsy when people have one half of their face go limp. It's the nerve right next to that one is your balance nerve. And different doctors, some say it's a virus, some say we don't know what it is. But for some reason, that nerve on my body got attacked. This one little nerve that I didn't even know I had. And for a week, I couldn't stand up um, because of this one part that has a special function. Did you know that you have a special function in the body of Christ? You might look at me and say, well, I could never get up and talk to all those people. You don't need to. But you are needed to do something that I can't do. Your body has has an immune system that does what the mouth can't do. Your body has a balance system that does what the heart can't do. And the beauty, remember that lid of that coffee mug, you separate it from the travel coffee mug and neither of them are very useful, but you get them together and it's very useful. And that's how it is with the body of Christ. So we gather here to find our belonging, our identity, but also our purpose and our function. I hope you 
have some brothers and sisters in your life. And if not, that's why we're here. That's why we're here, so you know that you're not alone. Well, this last Tuesday, I was studying for this message, and it was one of those days, maybe you can relate to this, where you know in your mind that everything's okay. And even spiritually, you know you're right with God, but physically and emotionally, you're just down. And I think, you know, this happens to me a lot on Mondays because I just give it everything I've got on the weekend, so I'm just depleted on Monday. Well, I, I think it might be because of this balance thing has taken a little more of my strength. So on Tuesday, when I would normally kind of be getting back on my feet emotionally and physically, I was still just, I was just discouraged. I mean, here we'd had 52 baptisms, record attendance. I knew in my mind and in my spirit, like everything's good, but physically and emotionally, I was just down. And I was studying, and I got this text from a friend. Here's our little conversation. My friend said, just very simple, how can I be praying for you this week? And this is a friend who I know I can just fully, fully be myself with. And I wrote back, and I said, you know, pray for encouragement in my spirit. I'm just discouraged emotionally and physically. Now, I wasn't all week, don't worry, but Tuesday I was. This was me on Tuesday, okay? I said, even though I know and see great things are happening spiritually... I'm discouraged physically and emotionally. I put this up here because when this reply came through, I was sitting by myself studying at a Panera Bread, and I just literally teared up at these simple words. Are you interested in taking a walk and processing and praying? Because what those words said to me, the reason they made me tear up is they said, you're not alone. You know, even as surrounded as I am by great, great people and my family and, and you guys, all of us feel alone sometimes. And, and here's the thing, in a church of thousands of people or even a church of hundreds of people, you, you're not necessarily going to have this relationship with every person you see in this room. You don't need to. It would be impossible to actually. But you do need to have this kind of relationship with three or four or five or two or eight or ten. You need a few people who are thinking about you on a weekly basis and reaching out to you and a few people that when they reach out you can be just completely raw and honest you need that and there's people in this room who need that from you god's word says this in first corinthians 12 26 through 27 if one part suffers all the parts suffer with it and if one part is honored All the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body. Each of you is a part of it. So I want to give you very simply two ways to experience your sense of belonging. It comes from Christ, but you feel it when you're in his house and with his family. Two ways to experience it. And the first is this, be here consistently on weekends. You're experiencing it right now because you're in a room with a bunch of your brothers and sisters. So for some of you, the step today is to say, okay, I'm going to reorient my life a little. Where it used to be that weekends were about golf and going to the lake and taking care of the house, I might still do those things, but it used to be those were my main thing, and if there was some extra time, I'd go to church. But if you really want to experience your sense of belonging in Christ, I would encourage you to reorient your life the way I did when I was sitting where you are and working as a full-time journalist and saying, no, I'm going to make being in God's house with God's people, that's the center of my week. And even if I'm on deadline for a story that's due, whatever else, I might have to work a 12-hour day on a story on a weekend, but if I do, I'm going to make time to get to at least one worship service with my family because that's where I belong and that reminds me who I am. So for some of you, that's your step today is just to say, hey, I'm going to move from kind of going to church every once in a while, which you're welcome here all the time. This is not about shame or guilt. This is about you experiencing your full belonging in Christ. You'll experience it more the more consistently you gather here or any Bible-believing church that is preaching the word of God in lifting up Christ as the head of the church. So if you move someday or, you know, whatever happens in life, you find a Bible-believing church, a body that you can belong to. Now there's a second step that for some of you is the step today. For others of you, is just step one today. It all depends on where you are in your journey. God will kind of let you know in your spirit. But for some of you, 
you've been doing step one, and now it's time to have someone who might text you like that text that I got on Tuesday. It's time to have that small group of people. And there's a few ways you can do that. And I'll share at the end of this service, you can text the word group. Actually, we can put it up right now. If you text the word group to this number, 317-350-0446, we can get you in a group. But there's another, two other ways. Uh, we have a display in the lobby with our group's team. But I also want to say this. It doesn't have to be quite this formal. If you've got some Christian brothers or sisters who are just your friends, that's the beginning of your group. Uh, just grab a couple friends who are on the journey with you of following Christ. And if you, if you still, you can text group and go to our group's display. That way our team, our group's team can help you guys be a healthy group and help you understand how to have a thriving group. But you can start if you've got nobody by texting this. If you've got somebody, text and let us walk with you. But my desire for you is to know your identity in Christ and then to feel it in community here on weekends and then on weekdays like I had on Tuesday. Well, speaking of weekdays, last week I saw Becca and Brandon Collins. They're a, a family here in our church. And you might recognize Brandon because he's on the drums today, and he drums most weekends, actually. And this was after our baptisms last week ended. I saw Becca and Brandon up here. I thought, I got to go say hi to Brandon and just thank him, because he serves almost every weekend. So I came over right up here in front of the stage, and we were just hanging out talking, and Becca shared that she had just been at the dermatologist, and they had done a biopsy, and they had found cancer on her face that was a deadly melanoma cancer to the extreme that they said, we have to get this out within a week. And so I was talking with them, and we ended up putting our arms around each other and praying for, for Becca. But here was this moment in that conversation. I said, you know, what was it like the day you found out? She said, well, it was this last Tuesday, and Brandon was actually traveling for work. And so I found this out, and I was, you know, me and the kids, and I'm processing deadly cancer on my face, surgery in a week to take it off. And she said, you know, what was great is that our small group, we had taken the summer off, and that Tuesday, we were already scheduled to reconvene as a small group and get back together. So I was carrying this weight. I didn't know what I was going to do. Brandon was out of town, and I was able to go to my small group. And she described her small group coming around her and laying hands on her and praying for her. Now, praise God, her surgery was to, uh, this last Tuesday, and they were able to get all that cancer out. So we can praise God for that in Becca's story. But what I want to ask is, do you have a group like that? Or here's another way I think of it. You guys now know from my story with Mel that I think about worst-case scenarios. So here's a worst-case scenario. Don't, don't panic or anything, okay? But I just want you to think about this. Let's say there was no electricity for two weeks. For some reason, grid's down. Two weeks. Store shelves start to empty out. Gas stations start to run out of fuel. Here's the question. Is there anyone who would come to your house to check on you? Now, to me, that's what a small group's about. It's about people who know where I live and they know the names of my pets and in the power outages of life, they know where I live, and I know they'd check on me, and not only that, I know I would check on them. And I have a sense of belonging because I know they're there for me, and I know I'm there for them. Well, that has been the case for another family in our church that has been battling cancer for five years. Uh, here's a picture of Delee and her husband, Jason, and this is their small group. Delee and Jason found out around Christmas of 2012 um, that they knew she was having some issues, and they went in, they had some MRIs, and then they found out in January of 2013 that she had ovarian cancer. And it was the beginning of a journey that their small group has been on for five years now, of Delee getting her diagnosis, the group all gathering around her and praying for her, and in her case, um, hundreds of doctor's appointments with radiation and with chemotherapy. Here's a picture of uh, Delia as she started her first round of radiation, and here's Monica who's in her small group. The small group decided 
the gals in the group decided, as much as we can, we're going to drive to Lee to all her doctor's appointments so that Jason can keep working. And as much as we can, we're going to take meals over to their family. And when she got down to 90 pounds because of the chemotherapy, they said, we're going to come over and do the laundry. We'll help the kids with their homework. And this group pulled together and walked through this. You can see Delee's faith and her strength in God in her face. And you see it again here in this next picture with two of her sisters from her small group. And I want you to see again this picture of the whole group together because in the case of this group, they walked through that cancer, surgery, removal of tumors, chemotherapy, and that was the first of three times that they've all been through that together. Now, right now, by God's grace, Delee is in remission. She's doing great right now, but this group knows every three months she gets a blood test, and they know that no matter what comes, they're going to be standing with her. Now, we know as followers of Christ, cancer is not from God. He is not the author of evil. And we know, Delee knows because of her faith in Christ, this world is not our ultimate home. And Delee knows the day will come, no matter whatever happens with cancer, that she'll wake up in the presence of God in a glorified body that will never get sick and never have any pain. And she has that eternal hope, which we all have as followers of Christ. But God has given her in this temporary life. Jesus said, in this world, you will have troubles. But take heart, I've overcome this world. So as Christians, our ultimate hope is in our eternal life with Christ. But he doesn't just give us that hope and walk away. He gives us that hope and then he says, in this world, I will give you brothers and sisters who will walk with you. This is why Jesus said in John chapter 13 to his followers, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my followers or my disciples. You see, when the body of Christ is loving each other the way God designed it to, it provides a sense of belonging that no family, no thing in this world can provide. It belong, provides a supernatural, superhuman sense of belonging. And it happens when we step out because some of you are in here and you're not going through the crisis right now. But God needs you in a group because someone like Delee is in a group and they need a brother or sister to drive them to some oncology appointments. Delee's group, as they have shared with me about walking through this journey of cancer, one of the women shared just the deep emotional connection and even the joy as they've experienced And you know this feeling when you show up for a medical appointment and you're sitting in the parking lot of the hospital or the medical building and you're there and there's someone in the car with you who cares about you, who will walk in there with you and walk out of there with you. And and this group, as they described what God has done in their hearts through this trial, they said, we're closer as a group than a lot of families are. And we've found something through this difficulty that a lot of people never find in their easy and in their good. Well, I'll put this number up again. Text the word group to 317-350-0446 if that's a step you're ready to take. Or in our lobby, go to our group's display. You'll see a bunch of people wearing welcome home shirts. And just be thinking, God, what's my step today? Is my next step just being here consistently and saying, hey, you know, unless I'm on vacation or sick, I'm going to be at church with my family. Maybe that's your next step. Or maybe for some of you, the next step is saying, hey, um, I've got a couple friends who do help me out spiritually. I'm going to ask them, hey, would you guys start a group with me? Let's become a group. Um, I want to experience belonging, first and foremost, through my identity with Christ, and then secondly, by being in relationship with my brothers and my sisters. Now, I said it before, I'll say it again. As you go out of here in a few minutes, don't rush to goodwill to get all the treasures, okay? Leave a few for me. But here's the thing. Don't forget you are the treasure. God sees the value in you. Find your belonging in him, and we're gonna sing that in just a moment. Would you guys stand with me and we can pray together?
Father, across this room, Lord, I would just pray for a sense of belonging that is found first and foremost in you. Lord, across this room, I, I know there's somebody in here who has not yet crossed the line of surrender. They've not yet called out to you to be their Savior. And I would pray that even now you would move in their heart, that they would say, Jesus, I believe in you. I receive you. I want to find my identity in you. Lord, I praise you in my life how you have set me free from old things that used to, used to enslave me. I praise you in my life how you have adopted me out of darkness and into light. I praise you that I can look in the mirror every day and know I am a son of the King of Kings. I am an heir of an eternal fortune. And though my body may struggle at times and my emotions may struggle at times and people may reject me at times, I know who I am in you. And I know that that will never change for all eternity. And Father, I just pray that across this room that my brothers and sisters would know who they are in you and that they would know today that you see value in them that they don't even see in themselves. I know that's true for me, God. You saw things in me that I never could have seen. You still see things in me that I never could imagine. You see potential. You see potential in us that we can't see in ourselves. Lord, help us this week to find our identity in you. Help us this week to find our belonging in you. And God, as you root as you dig our roots, as you grow our roots deeper and deeper in you, Lord, will you use us to send text messages like the one I got on Tuesday from a brother who said, hey, I'm thinking of you. How can I be praying for you? Would you use us to belong as a body, to meet each other's needs? Would you ignite each person in this room to perform their special function in the body? Lord, I pray across this room for every believer in Christ, for every person who's seeking you, that, that we would decide today, I'm going to be in God's house consistently so that I can grow in my identity consistently. Would you work in this room? For those who you're calling to start a group, to gather some friends or to go to that group's display, would you just give them the, the obedience to say, I, I, I know I'm a son or daughter of the king no matter what, but I want to I live more with my brothers and sisters and have people driving me to appointments and sacrifice to drive other people to appointments, to walk with people. I want people to cry with. I want people to pray with. I want people to laugh with and to live with. Lord, you've provided that here. Help us now respond and take advantage of the opportunity. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.